This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Ziak and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at digmeoutunion.com or dmounion.com. Speaking of the union, Jay, we have some new union members. Let's hear it. Roll call. Uh, Paul Richardson and hey, Paul. Frank Casal. Or is it Casale? Is it a, is it a, is it John? Is it Gazale? I gotta, I, I've gotta get Frank to, to, um, let us know there. Make sure I pronounce that correctly for future comments. Uh, you haven't been welcome until Tim has slaughtered your last name. So. That is true. It's, uh, it is, it is how it goes. Thank you both for joining. We appreciate your support and we also appreciate the support of all of our, uh, patrons, no matter the level, but especially the level that helps us, uh, you know, do the cool stuff like the uh, like T-shirts and, and whatnot. We like doing those, um, like seeing you out there and across the world, quite honestly, wearing those Dig Me Out T-shirts. Uh, that's pretty cool. Didn't expect that to ever happen. And here we are worldwide, baby, as uh, Pitbull would say. <laughs> also uh speaking of union members we have a union member back this year we've had such a journey in, with picks over the years what will this year be welcome back tara mccook y'all appreciate it how's everybody doing well good good looking looking forward to more sunshine this spring it's been a little damp here in ohio a little cloudy a little few too many tornado watches uh, than mm-hmm. we prefer. Um, As I spent last evening in the basement, which is weird for Alabama. I, I'm sorry we're sharing that wealth with y'all. Yeah, usually you get you know one or two, but it seems like this year has been um, especially just windy or or just like constant uh, like odd weather. Like, hey, it's 70 degrees. Let's have some hail. Like, what is going on? uh your pick this year let's just round up uh your previous picks people this way people will know that we have no idea what you're going to pick because you you are throwing curveballs left and right so 2018 we had the nixon's foma all right that's a nice slab of alternative rock from the 90s then we're going forever equals a day by fighting gravity which was not a band that did i say that gravity like you did what's the you did say it like that what did what happened there? I don't know. There was a weird, weird it, enunciation there. That was a weird enunciation. Gravity, fighting gravity, uh, which was not a band that we knew, uh, and I guess you, we we would describe them as a regional band in terms of uh, success and um, familiarity. And then that was followed by a we left the we left the continent. Uh, Indian Ocean's album Desert Rain. Which uh, I guess you'd say Hindustani rock. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then we go to Cowboy Mouth. <laughs> See, there's no logic or reason to all. There's all. There's there's no like. This isn't all power pop. This isn't all industrial. We have got. We're all over the place here. So I assume 
that uh, based on the pattern here, that this record uh, um, should probably be, I don't know, should it be well-known or unknown? I'm going to go with, uh, nobody will know this record or this band. <laughs> I'm probably going to be wrong. I'm just looking at the, at the order here. Uh, what is it? What's our 2022 pick, Tara? Maybe you've been brainwashed too by new radicals. Oh, I was wrong. This is a, this is something that people are going to know. Everybody knows. Everybody knows the single, right? Yeah, yeah. And what triggered this back is this monster single that kind of ate everyone's life in 1999, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the end of the decade, and then they kind of just imploded in a giant heap and disappeared. And then came the inauguration of Joe Biden in January of 2021. And out of absolute nowheresville left field, the thing that was like the big emotional anchor to it was apparently Joe's late son, Bo Biden, used You Get What You Give as like his treatment encouragement song when he was going through brain cancer. And I read that and started sobbing because everyone was a bit of a head case in January of 2021. You know, we were, it was kind of still touchy around the time. So I, I turned into a giant squish and started sobbing and then started playing the song again. And remember, this is a really fantastic song. And I remember really liking this record too. So I dug it back out of my, you know, archives, whatever. And yeah, this was actually pretty fun. So it was, it, it was, it's, it's an interesting time in my life. It's an interesting song from kind of like a music industry band personality perspective. And it's also just an interesting record from just the, the songs. I, I figured it'd be a good conversation, if nothing else. Well, Jay, you clearly knew the song. Had you ever listened to the whole record? No, I knew the other single. Was it Mother, We Just Can't Get Enough? I feel like I knew that song, too. Uh, Someday We'll um, Know was the other official single released. We'll so, yeah, and it, I remember it being very different at the time. Um, it kind of stood out on the radio. And I was intrigued by the band. It, you know, it was one of the one of the bigger hits that I found myself not being annoyed by. Um <laughs> You know, uh, after hearing Everclear for the three billion time, I, I don't need to ever hear Everclear again in my life. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's a lot of Everclear fans that listen to this, but like that's an example of a band that got played to death that um, I never wanted to hear. But this was a song that just always, I don't know, it just put me in a good mood. Um, and I just always associated that with the band as just kind of a bright, um, kind of cheery, fun sound that was distinctive for that time. I, I think we hadn't quite turned the corner into the late nineties pop breakout. And this was maybe one of the first uh, bands or sounds that kind of previewed what we might get into in the early two thousands and later in, in the nineties. I thought it was, um, I, the video was also pretty affecting because or effective because I think it was the first time it was a person or an artist from the nineties actually like commenting on the nineties within the context of their own material. So it felt very self-aware where like, yeah, this kid's in a bucket hat and kind of looks like a dope, but I also get the feeling like he's probably the, the, the guy was the really smart kid in class 
and ended up like pissing people off because he was <laughs> sort of smug about it, but was probably right along the you know along the whole time. Uh, but that was just the vibe that Greg Alexander gave off, who was essentially the whole band. Um, there were pe- other people that played on this record, um, Josh Freeze, for example, only on one hard. song. He, or two yeah. songs he plays he plays on uh the first and the third songs but there are i guess so did you tara did you know about greg alexander's backstory at all yeah like i kind of you know i was a music magazine reading teenage kid like kind of a snot about music back in the day so like i followed stories on like spin and rolling stone and, you know and kind of as they came out and kind of followed his arc of like I'm like this arch commentator on things. And then, uh oh, I think I might be too popular. Let me self-sabotage. And then like the whole thing on the way back down, the whole, the whole vibe was really fascinating at the time. And then like retrospectively. So, you know, we're, we're, we're talking right after the whole Oscars debacle. And right after that happened, right after the Chris Rockwell Smith thing happened, somebody posted on Twitter and it was maybe an hour and a half later. Oh, wow. Hey, check it out. I just found a brand new angle on the Will Smith thing. And the link was a uh, was a climate change article. You know, like you're talking about celebrities. You should really be talking about serious, important things. That's the kind of vibe I get. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. So uh, Greg Alexander, the um before New Radicals, has sort of an odd, not odd, but he has a, a unique backstory that I think plays into his like overall career as sort of how weird it is um so he's from michigan he grew up as a jehovah witness and started playing guitar and then other instruments at the age of 12 um he joined like a local band um which played in a battle of the bands um one of the bands they played against was against uh, had a, a guitar player named john lowry who goes by the name john five now uh, kind of a well-known. I don't know. He's he played with a lot of people, right? Who's in Marilyn Manson? Yeah, and he's now in uh, Rob Zombie's band. Wasn't he with David Lee Roth for a while too? Yeah, he did a David Lee Roth album in the nineties. So at the age of sixteen, while he's still in high school, Greg Alexander signs a recording contract with A and M, based on a demo that got heard by a producer, and he makes his debut solo album, Michigan Rain. Uh, in 1989, when he's 19 years old, and it's sort of it's a rock album. I haven't heard it. The cover looks like it could be it's like a black and white photo, and it's very dramatic looking. <laughs> I mean, it, it could be like Bruce Hornsby on the cover, or it could be Ian Curtis. <laughs> like you just don't know what kind of darkness right. is is lurking in that uh in that black and white photo. So. That comes out, then he follows it up, um, released on Epic Records. He, he left AM and went to Epic. Intoxifornication came out in 1992 and did nothing, just like his first solo act. So he's had two major labor deals by, by before he's 21 years old. Then he starts busking in Central Park and Tompkins Square in New York and um, ends up. You know, meeting musicians in New York and forming the New Radicals. 
but that's out in LA. One of the people that ends up being in the band is um, Danielle Brisbois. She was actually a child actor who was on All in the Family. And then in the Archie's Place, which was out after that. So she was a child actor. And um, she has co-written a number of songs as her as a solo artist or as a songwriter, including the the one of the greatest songs ever, "Pocket Full of Sunshine" by Natasha Bedingfield. Uh, I hope everybody knows that song from the movie Easy A, which is one of the one of the best movies of of the two thousands. But uh, so she and Greg Alexander were basically the new radicals, and they they have continued to write both solo and together um for years and i think that they did the that movie um begin again with mark ruffalo that was a alexander joint and i believe that she was in on that as well and they were nominated for an academy award for that song yes so the album uh that was released october 16th 1998 so this was basically cobbled together using like favors from all the people that Greg Alexander knew in the record industry. His old producer was involved, the guy who originally signed him um, back to A&M. Uh, like Josh Freeze comes in, plays uh, on a song. He gets um, Rusty Anderson, who played in the band Edna Swap in the 90s um, and would later go on to actually play with Paul McCartney on stuff uh there's who else is on he got um he got alessandro asandroni i'm sorry i'm screwing totally killing that name but it basically is like this huge italian composer for movies and he's the guy he got to do the strings on the on the record uh for the track um for track 11 so they're like i mean there's probably 20 people that played on this record based just you know one track here one track there uh based on all these favors that were called in to to make the album um it debuted at number 200 or at number 199 on the billboard 200 in november of 98 and then it went to the top 100 uh, in january of 99 and it kept climbing uh, reached a peak of uh, 41 on february 13th the Single that was released, you get what you give, everybody knows that, was released November 13th, 1998, reached number one in both Canada and New Zealand, top five in the UK. It only peaked at number 36 in the United States. That's interesting. I would have thought that that was a top 10 song. Yeah. Sure got played like it was. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, our, our perception of like what were hits in the 90s might be just, I don't know it's now i feel like if i hear a song on the radio a couple times it's like okay that's clearly a hit but then it was like you would hear songs all the time and right apparently they weren't <laughs> as the show proves a lot of times we talk about bands that are like we think are too big for the show because they were played a ton on the radio and in the grand scheme of things nobody knows who they were well i think this is a good example of a song that okay it didn't chart as high as we thought it made it to number 36 on the billboard hot 100 it reached the top 10 of the U.S. alternative chart where it peaked at eight. 
But it also charted, besides going to number one in Canada, New Zealand, it also charted in the top 40 in Australia, Norway, Sweden, Belgium, the Netherlands, Austria, Germany, and Chile. I think that's where a song like, it doesn't have to make its number one to make it ubiquitous for like Mm, 50 years going forward. And it also charted on like the adult pop, like the at work radio where you can all agree on stations too so it was being played. <laughs> yeah. the alternative station and the pop station yeah. and you know, with my mom in the car so like it, it got vectored at you from multiple ways so that probably yeah. didn't yeah. hurt you know you're hearing it at the grocery store so let's get into some comments from our patreon folks it was all over the place i can tell you that from when I, when I read it earlier. We'll get to the poll results at the end of the episode. But uh, Keith Badge said, I'm sort of glad this is the only New Radicals album. It's got this lightning in a bottle feel. The lyrics, the vocals, the production, the hooks, even the experiments work. It's hard to describe what makes it so good, except for Technicolor Lover, which sucks. We're the album, probably in the top 20 all time, in my top 20 all time, with You Get What You Give in my top 10 favorite songs. On the flip side, Ian McIver says, my wife often throws the line from Trolls World Tour to me. The music's supposed to make you happy. As I'm going to my basement to listen to music, this is the case here. I would give it a rating of pirated download, as that is the only way I would even come close to my collection in (laughs) 98.99. Most likely downloaded for a girl I would have been interested in. But since this isn't an option, I suppose I could part with a couple of Canadian dollars for a single instead of buying a beer again for the girl, which I have been interested in. Sorry, Tara, I expected you to rip into my pick when it's my turn for judgment. <laughs> that was Ian McIver, that by way, just reminding you who, uh, who said that you are you can do that. Uh, Gavin said, some of these recent suggestions have me wishing for a new level on Patreon that has a veto power. <laughs> Sorry, Tara, nothing personal, but no digging required here. Adam Rogan, decent single. The vocals are very grating to me. Chip Midnight bought this CD solely because of the single, but I'm pretty sure that every time I've listened to it, I've listened to the whole thing in one sitting. It's a great summer album. There's a party. There's the party tracks and the late night chill vibes, a little bit of everything. Definitely worthy album. And I agree with Keith. They captured lightning in a bottle. Glad they didn't mess that on follow-ups. Mess it up on follow-ups. Richard Waterman said, I bought this when it came out. Such a weird album for 1998. Chip is right. It's a great summer album. The opening song is a great way to kick off the album. There's some cool experimental songs, too. The title track is my favorite, and I don't mind Technicolor Lover either. We're the album. Uh, Jeremy Amen said, I have no dog in this fight. I've yet to listen to the whole thing, but I like the big single. It's infectious, but I can see how some people would have been only slightly open to liking it, only to have to hear so much that they ended up hating it. I imagine those individuals would only hate the album more after that. Full disclosure, I like You Get What You Give, and I worked in a bookstore where I easily had to hear it 2,000 times a day over the PA. Oh, goodness. Uh, Jeff Gentis, this is the most decent single album of all DML albums. That's not, well, we'll talk about, but okay. I had never heard it. But it sat down, but I sat down with an open mind. There is potential here, maybe to a lesser version of the Verve 
urban hymns, but there's one annoying thing in each track. Example, a scat, a whale, an overly repeated line. Even the album cover fits the description. It's pretty good overall, but the bucket hat kills me. (laughs) (laughs) I respect the effort, though, especially all the different styles and why some people might love this. Gary Moran, I would have, I could have sworn this was discussed already. I might be confusing it with something else, but this album is better than I would have ever expected. Kyle Bittner, I'm torn between a better EP and a worthy album. The main single is an outstanding pop song and works on its own. When I put on the album, it flows all the way through, but I only perk up and pay attention to, on a few songs, with Flowers being the best song on the album. I caved, went with worthy album as I can listen to it all the way through. Without being overly bothered, makes sense. Yes, it does. That was a, a wide range of opinions, and I am curious to see how this poll is going to shake out at the end of the show. But Jay, let's get into talking about it. What'd you like? What's one thing you liked about maybe you've been brainwashed too by the new radicals? I like that it's feels like an. Uh, unapologetic pop album but it's got a rock basis to it and that we didn't get a lot of these in the 90s and it made me think a lot of more of the early 80s actually as i got into the record and started to pull apart what was going on a band in particular that came to mind that i would have never thought of in the 90s but now i hear is a band like hall and oats where they take r&b and sort of this you know, at times, fun, slick songwriting. You know, it's got a bit more, I guess it's a little bit looser than a Hall Notes album would be or song, but there's something about the way that he sings, the phrasing he uses, kind of this R&B oriented rhythm ideas and guitars. It just made me think a lot more of 80s music than the 90s music, actually, which I, I in, enjoyed when i did think of 90s bands i also heard some things that i wouldn't have picked up on in the 90s but now i can hear um for example mother we just can't get enough now as very similar to like afghan wigs cover of barry white's can't get enough of your love even lyrically it's similar like i don't know if that's on purpose but when i heard that i was like huh i could hear the afghan wigs playing this song like i mean with a ton more attitude and it'd be noisier and whatnot but i'm like the basic underlying idea here this r&b based kind of fun feeling stonesy kind of vibe and then we got the track two, and which is the big single, You Get What You Give. 
and that bouncy piano comes in um, and I listened to it. And I'm listening to the bass and the way he sings. I was like, damn, this could be a super grass song. <laughs> uh, so I started to hear like, oh, okay. These, the songs on here that are a little bit bigger, like I start to be able to connect other bands from the eighties or nineties that also interpreted in clever ways, R and B into uh, the music, which I really, I think that's the part that worked most for me. Uh, even when he slows down, it sort of has that Hall and Oates R&B kind of vibe to it, which I enjoyed. So I just like that, you know, it is a, it's mostly got a band feel. It's mostly got a rock feel. I like that it sticks to this idea of, I think, writing pop songs. Um, there's a little bit of, 90s in here but not too much and it doesn't try to get grungy or overly loud or there's no moment on here where it feels like it's trying to be something that it's not um there's some experiments but even the experiments are more in the vein to me of like a prince type of vibe like a demo-y kind of feel which again is still like reinterpreting r&b and rock but i thought it you know, for the most part, I, I enjoyed that they seemed to have catch lightning in the bottle, like had this idea of, he had this idea of like, you know, how to uh, create a sound that had that Stonesy-ish pop R&B kind of flavor. And even though it was 1998, like it came across, you know, for the most part in a classic kind of way, not overly grungy or angry or 90s ish which is unusual we don't listen to too many records where you're um you know kind of more transported back to the 70s or 80s than the 90s so that's some of the stuff that i enjoyed how about you tim this was a really trying record for me because i went from like really hating the whole record to like really then liking it and then going back and forth between those based on like my mood. And I think one of the things that I really liked about it was it is, there are a lot of very, like you mentioned the seventies influences. There is, there's, I mean, I can hear a little bit of like T-Rex, Mark Bolin and some stuff. I can hear like some Todd Rundgren um, in, in just in the way that there's like playing with voices and playing with, genres i mean like in need of a miracle sounds like paul weller and style council i mean it is some northern soul going on there and (laughs) um but i think he does a good job of interpreting those and turning them into 90s versions as opposed to just being a a total you know ripoff you know the opening and closing mother can we just get enough and crying like a church on Monday. I mean, those sound like stones songs, but enough that they sound stones influenced as opposed to, yeah. Okay. This there's that there's the, the percussion in the, in the first track. Yes. It kind of reminds you of sympathy for the devil and then crying like a church on Monday kind of has a vibe of like, Wild horses and the and the this the acoustic quiet side of the stones, but it's not enough to make you go. Well, they're just it's just a stone song. 
you know, it's not the four horsemen doing an ACDC song. <laughs> this is this is something yeah. a little bit different. Um, so I appreciated that aspect of it. I mean, I've always loved the single You Get What You Give. It was so different for the time. Um and refreshing in a way that it's never gotten it's never dulled for me. Um, and I had not listened to the whole album. I think maybe I'd heard Someday We'll Know just because it was the second single and I might have gotten heard it here or there, but I hadn't heard anything else. Um, he's just, you know, he's got a way as a songwriter to construct some really interesting verses and choruses that he's able to play with genre enough to just give them enough of an edit to like change them up enough so they don't all, all sound the same. I don't, I agree with his vocal. I think it works best on the single. And then there are other parts of the album where I didn't care for his vocal and the sort of the strength of the songwriting around it is what carried the song for me. Uh, there's a couple times where I think he overuses the falsetto and it doesn't quite have the strength you know, he doesn't have Prince's uh, vocal ability when it comes to that. And there's also a couple of times where he gets into this like Billy Corrigan uh, rat in a cage uh, vocal that I, I it does. It just doesn't sound right to me. So luckily, the music and the and the arrangements and the songwriting are what are saving him in those cases. Um yeah, I just I and I agree with Chip and the other folks who said like I just this has a nice vibe. Like there's nothing overly aggressive. There's a lot of I guess there's a lot of major chord stuff happening on this record that makes it give you that like uplifting sound. Um because it doesn't sound uh there's no darkness on this record. There's no down in a hole or or rooster on this album. You know what I mean? <laughs> No, there is not. Now that I finally got you, just want to take you home. Try my best not to rush you, because rushes ain't no fun. But I ain't breaking my love. I cannot afford you to come. I think you tell me where we stand. You've been taking my love. You've been breaking my love. You better stop making my love. So, so that's what worked for me. What works best for you, Tara? Oh, it's interesting because I think a lot of people picked up on some of the same ways I feel about it. And when this record works, it works to utter and complete perfection. Like, you know, there are some really sterling pop songs on this thing. And it just, they're gorgeously put together. They're well-written. They're well-arranged. Everything works together. You know, there's just really good, complete songs on this record in a lot of cases, but not all. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, a lot of, I, I, I went back and read some of the reviews of the record at the time because I kind of wanted to put myself back in context about what people were saying. 
Corgan came up a lot. And I think that is spot on for good mm-hmm. and bad about what was going on with the sounds. Um, I didn't pick up on some of the more, the less, the more obscure references, the more subtle references of like Rundgren and, you know, Style Council and some of those other bands at the time. But looking back, it makes total sense. You can absolutely hear it. And it is really mood, like, like, you know, the vibe is really good too. It, it flows well when you're just trying to listen to music, to listen to music. Like I've had it on while I've been working during the last few weeks to kind of put myself back in the mindset and listen to the songs and remember what I liked. And it flows very well. You know, it's a, it's a complete record mostly. So those are the things that work well. I'm I'm a sucker for smart songwriting. Um, There's a right amount of melancholy in a song like Someday We'll Know, but without like pounding you with the darkness. It's kind of good. That flows into place too. So the things that are well-constructed, just my heart sings when I hear them. There is an aspect of this record that I think why it can be so interesting, but also off-putting is that you take a song like maybe you've been brainwashed too, where he gets into this part of the song where it, I mean, it sounds like earth, wind and fire or, you know what I mean? Like it goes in some directions where you're like, I was not expecting him to take this boat down this river. (laughs) Um, And those are cool, but I can also see where somebody, you, you get a guy like doing that. Is it homage or is he like, when sometimes you know or is he making fun of it uh is it because what you you get what you give that's a great hook it's a great idea but there's an edge to that song there's there's it's not like a it's not uh bobby mcferrin don't worry be happy i mean it's a double-edged uh sword there and um there's some so sometimes i'm like is this i know we go gen x is known for its sarcasm but like is some are some of these more uh what would be like positive um, uplifting or not i don't know positive or if that's the right word but just that uh sometimes i'm wondering if like the decisions are made to be um take a little cut you know a little shot at someone rather than um, paying direct homage. I definitely think there's in a lot of cases on this record, a little bit of too cute by half. Yeah. A sarcasm and a little bit of that kind of like, I have important things to say and I'm going to hide them behind this. And then there was, there was a line in an interview that he gave about you get what you give that I read where they were, where the, the questioner was asking about the celebrity hit at the end, you know, the back to Marilyn, da, 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 da. He goes, you didn't listen to the lyric right before that. That was a test and you failed because I was trying to say, <laughs> and you just got caught up in the celebrity. And I was like, oh, okay. I see where we're going with this. You know, mm-hmm. like what y'all said earlier about being the smartest boy in the room. There was a lot of smartest boy in the room on this record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, one of the ways it it shows is a song like I Hope I Didn't Just Give Away the Ending. It feels like that was a song title in in search of a song. Like, I have a really good idea for a song title. It's very Morrissey-esque. 
And now I'm going to write a song around it and it does it. And it's a six and a half minute long song that does not need to be six and a half minutes. And yeah. just, I, that to me fell into some spots in the record where this is clearly a big idea that he wanted to put in here. I, I think it art, um, it's part of their early journey of the record too, where you get the first two tracks are, for the most part, very well written, you know, R&B pop songs that go on a little too long. <laughs> you know, it, even the single is five minutes. You know, you get this end part that's a little too jammy. So you start to, I guess at that point, I'm thinking, oh, okay, these are well written songs, but, you know, it has a, a party vibe, right? <laughs> like, let's see where this goes. And then you get to that song. Um, and I'm with you, you start to feel like, oh, wait a minute, this sounds like a demo. Like he got a band, he got a bunch of musicians together. He had a kind of an idea for some lyrics and they're just kind of figuring this out and they hit record. Like I'm not hearing a resolved song here and it's six and a half minutes. So then that colored, I think from those three songs started to color like, okay, what, what is this record about? Like, am I going to get pop songs? Am I going to get like, jammy brit poppy kind of yeah you know, like drug music like what what am i what am i what am i getting here um i i think it's well well illustrated in those first three tracks well and i think it, it what's so weird is that then you go to i don't want to die anymore which is a really cool song like it sounds like bad finger or something you know what i mean like it's this great 70s pop anthemic rock thing going on it's 418 like it's a good length curious about that side of the band and about what greg alexander is doing than i am about his like you mentioned like too cute by half like there's some of the stuff that's just a little bit too too perfect and too not perfect but just too like a little too precious so um terry is there anything that doesn't work for you on this record other than the sort of like a little too smart Tracks three, seven, eight, nine, and ten, specifically. Three, like, so seven. that's. You know, I hope I didn't just give away the ending, and then that whole like right after someday we'll know, right before flowers, just donezo. And it yeah. goes back to the things that when they're getting to outre, when they're getting too snarky and too caught up in well, when he is getting too caught up in his own artistry and his own, I'm trying to do a thing here. I can move on. Uh, there's a lot of noise in those tracks. There's just, it's just, 
it's 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 discordant in a way that I don't really enjoy. And that's when kind of the negative side of what he's doing comes out. And I think it's interesting because when you look at the stuff he's done afterwards, it's all kind of his career has all kind of tacked in the songwriting pathway towards the pop, like pure honest to God pop. Like this man wrote songs for Jerry Frickin Hallowell, you know, like Spice Girl. Right. Otherwise known as Mrs. Christian Horner, for those of you who are watching F1 Drive to Survive, uh, he did the song with Hanson after dissing Hanson in the song. So, like, you know, he's he's really in his wheelhouse when he's doing the pop stuff. When it starts getting a little off field, uh-uh, I'm good. Yeah, I would even say, like, I'm with you. I think that section of the record, I also started to maybe get clued in on the this is pieced together a bit. It feels like recorded at different times, different places. Some of it sounds at that part of the record, very demo-ish. Um, I, I don't mind, like maybe you've been brainwashed too, if it was two and a half minutes or three minutes, but at five and a half minutes, it's, you know, it's a Prince. It sounds like, you know, Prince when doves cry, but at five and a half minutes and not nearly as hooky. Um, so it also started to expose, I think, maybe to me, like the story of how this record was made, which became a little bit distracting. It went from this very polished sounding, great players, well-produced to now I'm in this middle, this middle section that sounds like some demos that are half-baked and, um, you know, not really well-produced, not realized completely, maybe just tacked on, um, which took me out of the moment, took me out of the flow. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, in revisiting this now, I don't see, somebody will know is it, is it okay song, but I, there's really not a clear follow-up single, I don't think, in terms of matching what you get, what you give has. So I can understand why this album kind of, disappeared rather than you know and then the, of course the him basically just blowing up this project anyways um to do other stuff so you were mentioning the reception tara that the album got i was surprised because i thought that this was sort of like universally beloved when it came out and it it wasn't they got uh got some bad reviews yeah people were kind of all over the map about it a lot of these quotes uh, and my favorite was i found this on the wikipedia page and i fell out of my chair laughing it was so good uh the nne review yes. says the album is occasionally interesting and then open quote free falls like a shot duck close quote <laughs> and it's like wow i mean first of all leave it to the english to be really dramatic in their album reviews but i mean it kind of does take that dip in the middle like you know if i'm feeling generous i hope i didn't just give away the ending is you know know, you're feeling generous you can kind of let it rock while you're going to the next thing but then it just does kind of take that weird crater in the middle it's brought back up again by flowers and crying like a church on monday but yeah like people really kind of went through that and a couple people really did pick on some of that too cute by halfness like chris scow calling the lyrics having a paucity of meaning which is just such a beautiful acidic diss. <laughs> like it really is just like, ooh, ouch, that echoes through the ages. 
Well, when you get paucity in there, you know oh, yeah. you're you know you're in trouble. <laughs> um, the interesting thing I saw was the people who kept insisting on comparing this band to Chumba Wumba because they were uh, left wing. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> Does anyone hear that? Because I sure don't. No. No, not in the least. I mean, I, other than they had hit songs around the same time, I don't know. Right, there's, I don't, I don't see any comparison that would, I don't get it. Um, so let's go with overall uh, thoughts on this record in terms of our ratings. Um, I'll give away the uh, Patreon results in just a moment. But Jay, where do you land? on this album i land at an ep i have um, mother we just can't get enough you get what you give i don't want to die anymore jehovah made me this made this whole joint for you someday we'll know maybe you've been brainwashed too in flowers um i think that's the best produced with a little bit of experimentation thrown in there to round things out um and, and some of the better songs too what about you tim I'm also at an EP. Um, I a little bit different. I would go with tracks one and two and four, like you did. I, I would go with uh, I like "In Need of a Miracle." I like the sort of Paul Weller second phase uh, style that's going on there, and I like "Flowers" as well. That would be my closer um, for I think what would it be a five song EP is where I'd be at for this. So Tara, where do you land? Okay, so I actually have an exact answer for this that was true in the moment. So I, I came across, somebody mentioned downloading this song, uh, the, the single, and I did download the single on Cute FTP, one of the precursors to file sharing. Like I actually went on an FTP site back in the day and oh, did that. Wow. Ooh. My friend who was I a comp site taught me. It was very exciting. <laughs> this is pre-Napster file oh, yeah. sharing. Yeah. Wow. Because I was a freshman in college this, this fall, so I got to college in 1998. So we were away from home, and we could do stuff on the T1 internet line. Ooh, it was very exciting. <laughs> oh yeah, T1. <laughs> yeah. I grabbed the song, and then when I went home for Christmas break, I checked the CD out of the library, and I went to tape it for my car on a cassette tape. And I had a 60-minute cassette tape, and I didn't want the whole thing. So here's what I pulled. I pulled, mother, we just can't get enough. You get what you give. I don't want to die. Jehovah made this whole joint. Someday we'll know. Flowers and crying like a church on Monday, 32 minutes even. Side A. Nice. There so you go. That, that might be a, that might be a new rating we can use. Yeah. <laughs> how, yeah. How much can you fit on one side of a cassette? Yeah, the 60 minute cassette. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> You've got 30 minutes of a 30 of a, you got to fit, yeah. uh, fit it on one side. What are you putting on there? Yeah. So thanks to me never throwing anything away for having an answer for that. So is that an EP? Does that qualify as an EP then? I think based on y'all's track count, that's a seven track count. So I think that makes EP. I was on the fence because it's, you know, a long 30, EP, so. 32 minutes. I might need a ruling here. Jay, what do you think? It. Seven songs, 32 <laughs> minutes. Is that an album or an EP? That's, that feels like an EP to me. To fit, yeah, I think that's an EP. One side of a sixty-minute cassette is very EP. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's a Ramones record or something, you know, you have to like actually right. judge it. <laughs> well, you'll be interested to know that our voters disagreed with all of us. 67% said we're the album. There you go. How about that? Only 13% said better EP and 20% said decent single. So we were actually the third option of the three. <laughs> what are we doing? It's, it's divisive. It yeah, is. You know, I make a point of never reading what folks are saying before we go in on this. So I don't, I want to go in clean. And I was actually surprised that so many people were happy to see this. I was a little worried that because the song was so monstrous, it would get a little hootie-ish, you know? But I, th- I, I was surprised that people were as happy as they were. That makes me feel good. And, you know, it's never a problem if people don't like my things, that the world is big and we can like what we like. That's, That's correct. Absolutely true. Do you think he, he intended to make a divisive pop record? Was, it, was that the whole point that we're, we're, we're getting into here? Like it's, it's I wouldn't be surprised. Controversial if that- and rebellious and how pop it is. Yeah, and then I feel like he kind of got caught up in his own game a little bit. A little bit of like the dog that catches the car. Like, right. uh-oh, I was trying to make a commentary on pop records, and then I made a pop record. Ah, let's get out. Abort, abort. <laughs> get Hanson on the phone. <laughs> and write a song with him seven years later. <laughs> right. Well, Tara, thank you so much for bringing this album to us. It is an excellent addition to your repertoire of records. Yeah, no problem. This was fun. I got to get extra weird next time because I've been mainstreamish the last couple. Well, yeah, I guess from Cowboy Mouth to uh, New Radicals, that's those are two bands with uh, with big singles. So, yeah, you'll have to uh, you'll have to uh, you have you'll have twelve months to uh, come up with uh, with our big curveball for next year. Starting to research art noise collectives now. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Well, uh, I just want to let the people out there listening know if uh, you'd like to be like one of the folks like Tara that pick our records, you can do so by joining us at DMOUnion.com or DigMeOutUnion.com. That's where the patrons assemble in our union hall with the uh, black and white photos of all previous union presidents. Uh, along the uh, along the entranceway where the glass cabinet is, where we keep our trophies. That there's a black marble wall that has yes, same scribed in it. Yes. Also, there's an excellent fish fry every Thursday <laughs> at the hall. Make sure uh, to bring, <laughs> to bring your own utensils. We do not provide utensils hey, at the fish fry. There's, there's a fifty fifty raffle though. There is a 50-50 raffle. <laughs> it's after after the bingo call, before the stuffed cabbage bake-off. Oh, man. <laughs> if you're not from Ohio, I don't know if you know. I don't know. About. Stuffed cabbage. It smells like a fart, and it tastes <laughs> about the same. You have same. to be from Ohio or Pennsylvania, I think. You know Shove some meat into a... <laughs> into a cabbage and steam it mmm delicious it's like a wet cigar Uh, so anyway sorry about that we pride ourselves in never going off topic and uh, it's just the 
The stuffed cabbage always does it. Uh, I was just tweeted. Chip must be listening to the live feed. Oh, he just tweeted me a link to a John Daryl Hall, John Oates, and Todd Rundgren doing "Someday We'll Know." What? Yes. Nice. Apparently, they covered the. That song. So it all just came came together. You mentioned called, Rungren, right? I did mention Rungren. And Full I talked cir- a lot about Hall Notes. Full circle. So you can go hit that up on YouTube. It, it exists. That's crazy. That is crazy. Uh, what else is crazy is you can submit records to us by going to digmeoutpodcast.com. You go to the Suggest an Album page, drop an album in there. It gets put into our hopper, and then the hopper spits out uh, nine albums a month, and all the patrons vote on them. Which you become a patron by going to digmeoutunion.com or dig me or dmounion.com, and uh, it's also where you can sign up for the box newsletter. You can go to the website, sign up for it, and then you can uh, receive it in your email inbox every weekend. Two new reviews of '80s and '90s relevant pop culture movies, books, albums documentaries short stories novellas whatever there is out there and then uh, lastly apple podcast is where you go to leave us um, some positive feedback and maybe five stars if you are uh, star friendly so for jay and tim we're out we'll be back next week with another episode of dig me out Yeah.